With nearly 50 complaints made to the city in recent years, Willowbrook residents are growing increasingly frustrated by an enormous ongoing yard sale that some say is putting community members at risk. Welcome to the Staten Island Advances from the Scene, a podcast bringing you an inside look at the biggest stories on Staten Island with the reporters who cover them. I'm your host, Eric Bascom, and this week I'm joined by Staten Island Advance public interest and advocacy reporter Kristen Dalton to discuss a massive flea market-like yard sale that has neighbors fuming. Thanks for joining me today, Kristen. I'm so glad we were finally able to get you on the podcast. Hi, Aaron. Um, Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. And so like a lot of people, we've all been working remotely for the past year and a half now. But unlike myself, you've had to do so while raising two young kids. What's that been like trying to juggle your work and home lives now that the two have become so intertwined? It's It's been a challenge. Um, you know, thankfully, uh, my older daughter, who's eight, she's back at school. So she's gone for, for most of the day. But I also have a two-year-old who wants my attention 24-7. So it's, it's, it's been a challenge, but you learn to make the most of nap times and when she's occupied uh, during meals. So uh, really fast typing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure the, the back-to-school thing has been a, a blessing in a sense because I know a lot of parents on top of having to do the work stuff were also helping with remote learning for the past year and and all of that kind of stuff. So there's just been so much going on. So uh, props to you and, and all the parents out there who have been able to maintain, you know, the high quality work that they do on an everyday basis while also taking care of their family even more than they would be, you know, in, in normal times. So uh, props to you again on that. But so happy for you uh, taking some time out of your busy schedule to join us today. I want to talk to you about this story that you wrote earlier this month that's kind of blown up actually about this massive yard sale in Willowbrook. Let's start at the beginning. How did we first hear about this issue? Sure. So I first heard about it via email. I got two or three emails from residents who lives in the area that were concerned about about safety, really. And I also knew, you know, being a native Staten Islander, I live not far from the area. So I've passed it on a number of occasions and really saw how it expanded, you know, it started out small and it it really, like you said, has just become a flea market. So the residents emailed me concerned really for safety because it's along, right right alongside the Staten Island Expressway, the off-ramp, people are coming down there very quickly. And naturally when you see something large, you're, you're gonna turn your head to look. Some people are slowing down their cars and the woman that I spoke with said on, on a number of occasions, she's almost been rear-ended or rear-ended somebody else because of the, the slowdown to see what's going on. Yeah. And, you know, so as any good reporter does, once you started hearing these complaints about the yard sale, you went down there to check it out. Right. And so can you give our listeners an idea of, of what you saw once you got there? What did this yard sale look like? And, and what did you hear from some of the people at the scene? Sure. So it's it's massive. It, it the the owner of the yard sale or, or flea market, whatever you want to call it, is on the the corner house. Uh, but it is a semi-attached house, and it not only is the front of their home, but it's the home next to it, and then the entire side 
property. So it's really massive. When I walked over there, I, I couldn't believe it. There were a number of tents, there were a number of tables, not only on the homeowner's property, but in that little, you know, sliver of grass right next to the street, you know, in between the curb and the sidewalk, just massive tables. So when I went there, uh, wasn't a particularly busy time, but there were a few people who were browsing and they said that they that they loved it. You know, they, they're always finding, you know, toys and little doodads and whatever. And some people said it was therapeutic, that they like to just come and walk around, chat with the owners, see other people. But the residents uh, who live next door, across the street, weren't happy, um, not so much for the yard sale, although there was one or two complaints that it's it's an eyesore just because of how massive it is. But some of the other complaints included people double parking, you know, customers double parking in front of their driveways or in front of their car to run over and look at it. And then, you know, if they wanna leave their home, they can't, they have to go over, find whose car it is, ask them to move, there was, you know, one person mentioned that there was a confrontation. Somebody was like, oh, well, I'm just going to be a minute. You know, what does it matter? So, so there are, you know, the residents do have some valid concerns. It wasn't just, uh, you know, what do people say these days? Being a Karen, right? <laughs> and complaining. There really were some some valid, valid concerns. Yeah, absolutely. And, and what of the people that are actually running this yard sale or operating it on a daily basis? What did they have to say? So they feel that they're that they're not doing anything wrong. They said that they are, you know, loved by the community, that they've been doing it for probably about a decade if I if I remember correctly, and that there were a few instances where somebody from the city came down and said that they were doing something illegal in at least one or two instances. It was because there was merchandise being sold on the sidewalk and the sidewalk was blocked, which is not permitted. It's illegal. So other than the, those one or two, you know, instances with the city, they, they believe that they're doing a community service. They don't think that they're doing anything wrong. Yeah, that's interesting. And so you did some more digging on this, right? And it turns out that the, the city has received dozens of complaints about this site in recent years. I think dozens, uh, I think almost four dozen, right, you had said. So can you talk to us a little bit about some of those complaints and what they were, how you found them, what agencies had received them? Sure. So 311 has an online portal, an online database where you can go and look up certain complaints. So what I did was I typed in the address and it listed all of the complaints. Spanning back three or four years, some of the complaints were for illegal signage. Um, as I mentioned, I believe that's North Gannon, right off the Staten Island Expressway. There are a few signs saying, you know, yard sale. Technically, those signs are illegal. They're not allowed to be posted there. Some were for blocked sidewalks and those go to the Department of Transportation. I believe the signage ones went to the Department of Sanitation, but transportation is in charge of the sidewalks. So there were a number of complaints about that. 
And then a lot of the other complaints were for illegal vending or like incorrect use of the home, saying it was being used for commercial purposes, like for a a store, a sale. And what the city told me was that as long as they're not selling merchandise on the sidewalk or on the street, they don't need to have a permit. As soon as they start selling merchandise on city property, they do need a vendor's permit in order to do that. So as I said, when I went there, you know, I didn't observe items being sold on the sidewalk, but the residents said it's happened. There were complaints, I told you, the city did witness it and issued a violation. But I mean, you could see in the pictures, there's, you know, the sidewalk and a ton of merchandise on one side, a ton of merchandise on the other side. The sidewalk may have been wide enough for somebody to push, you know, like a baby stroller freely, but but that's it. I mean, it was it was really tight. So that's where and those complaints go to the Department of Consumer and Worker Protection. Right. And so we had mentioned that there were, you know, I believe the number was 47 complaints made in uh, in the past four years at this site. But you only mentioned one kind of violation given by the city there, which uh, seems a little low almost compared to, you know, how many complaints that they've gotten on it. Has the city given any indication that they're going to address this issue further kind of moving forward? Are they do, are there any plans to, to shut this down or does it seem for now as though they're operating within their legal right? For now, they're operating within their legal right. You know, like I said, when I visited, when I went to the location, I didn't see anything illegal happening. Nothing was, you know, they weren't vending on the sidewalk, so they were doing things legally. And it's it's kind of the same thing when the city goes to inspect it. You know, if on the day that they show up, nothing illegal is happening, then there's nothing that they can do. And the way the agency, most agencies work is they are reactive. So unless they start getting complaints about it, they're not gonna, you know, they have no reason to go back. And in some instances, and I believe that this was the case here too, a lot of times they'll issue a warning at first and just letting the property owner know, excuse me, that, you know, this isn't permitted. If we catch you doing it again, then we're gonna be forced to give you a violation. So sometimes when, when a warning has been issued and not a violation, They'll go back usually within a 30-day period to see if they've taken the corrective measures to fix the problem. But other than that, really, unless people start complaining about it again, I, I can't imagine that the city's going to go back. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm kind of curious, considering that it, it seems to this point, like you said, that the city hasn't really found any any grounds to, to move forward with anything here. Have you heard from any of the neighbors or residents who had first reached out to you about this uh, after the fact, kind of either frustrated with the inaction by the city or, or just, you know, grateful for you for, for putting the story out there or just uh, have you heard any follow-ups from the people who initially reached out to us? Yeah, so I, I heard from, from two of the three residents that initially emailed me. They reached out just to say thank you for bringing light to the issue and doing the article. And they were hoping since, you know, as you said earlier, the story really gained a lot of traction, which I, I, honestly, I wasn't expecting to happen, but they were hoping that since it gained so much traction that the city would come in and, and do something about it. But as I said, unless there are more complaints made and, on subsequent visits, the city actually witnesses them doing something illegal. 
I, I, I think that this that this yard sale is here to stay. I really don't think that um, it's going to get shut down anytime soon. Yeah, and that actually kind of leads me into my next question. So uh, you mentioned this, but after you published your story, it, it seemed to really resonate in the community, and it was picked up by members of some other media companies who I believe had you on to discuss the story, right? So I'm curious, have you ever had something like that happen before with your prior reporting, and, and what was that experience like for you? There were a few other instances of, of articles that I wrote in the past. I Off the top of my head, I, I can't remember what they were, but where, you know, I wrote something that was a very Staten Island community, specific community-based situation, and it wound up blowing up. Writing this, I, I, I didn't think that it was gonna, gonna be as big as it was, but CBS2 wound up picking up the story, and then I was contacted by ABC7 by Tony Yates, who said that her editor saw the story, they were sending her to Staten Island to cover it, and she asked me if I would meet her down by the yard sale to be interviewed just about the process, how I came about the story, and and how I went through, I guess, the bureaucratic process of 311 complaints. And also, you know, I didn't mention this earlier, but Councilman Matteo, this is his district. His office received some complaints about this as well. So she just wanted to hear about how I got the story and and what the, the process was going through all of those complaints and contacting the city agencies. Yeah, and you mentioned that you done you know a handful of these types of stories before right that are uh, hyper local uh, staten island community stories they're very specific to the questions or complaints that we receive from our residents and they're really focused on helping them resolve an issue that they have as opposed to some of the other reporting we do that can be you know citywide initiatives or general press release type stuff of, of new things that are new projects that are coming out so how is reporting on these types of stories, these hyper-local Staten Island-based community stories, how is that different from some of the other work we do? And, and do you find it more gratifying? I do, because so often these, these stories have such an, an immediate and, and direct impact. You know, even though for this particular story, the residents, I guess, were hoping that the yard sale would get shut down and it didn't, but it did bring a light to it. But there've been so many other instances where I wrote a story and there was an immediate impact for that resident, whether it's the parks department coming and cutting down a tree that they were worried was gonna fall on their house. Or I'll never forget, there was an, an older woman who contacted me who took the park and ride over at Father Capadano. And because it was fall, it was starting to get dark out earlier the lights in the parking lot weren't working and she was nervous walking from the bus to her car in the parking lot. So I did a story on it. I actually believe Councilman Matteo was involved in that as well. Reached out to some city agencies and in three days, the lights were turned on in the parking lot. And, you know, maybe for other people reading it, it it doesn't seem like a, a big deal, maybe. But for that one person, that one resident, it's something that's impacting their quality of life. So to be able, as my job, to, to bring a light to it and to be able to help them with something, especially if it's an issue that they weren't able to get help with for, for months or years, to be able to help them get that resolved. 
it, it, it's, it's really a wonderful feeling. Yeah, absolutely. That kind of meaningful Staten Island-based journalism, I think, really hits home for a lot of us as not only reporters here, but native Staten Islanders and people who have been in those types of situations before. So I know that those people have got to be so grateful for you and the the work that you do in the community and, and just, you know, like you said, putting those people first and making sure that you're improving their quality of life, even if it's one person at a time, you're still doing something that is helping people. And it might seem small in the grand scheme of things, right? Um, but it makes a world of difference to them. So I, I think that's incredibly important. And I really respect um, the fantastic work that you always do on that stuff. So thank you so much for joining me today, Kristen. Keep up the great work. And I look forward to having you on again soon. Thank you so much. I look forward to it too. Did you know on November 3rd, 2009, Debbie Rose became Staten Island's first African-American to be elected to public office after winning the North Shore City Council seat? Thank you for listening to the Staten Island Advances from the scene. If you like what you've heard, please make sure to rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit SILive.com for the latest on all these stories and more. Thank you for supporting local journalism.